Hey Rebels, this part of the program is sponsored by The Voice of the Martyrs. Start your year off right with a VOM Global Prayer Guide. The Voice of the Martyrs Global Prayer Guide provides background information on each of the 68 countries where they are working, as well as information on the current situation for Christians in those countries. Place this prayer guide next to your Bible to help you pray more specifically for our persecuted family throughout the year. Head to persecution.com slash prayer guide for more information. Woo, Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. As I unpacked my story and my unique gifts, I began to understand. Calling is where our talents and burdens collide. Our talents are our birthright gifts, the gifts that make our hearts sing, come alive. Our burdens are found in our stories, in what breaks our hearts. God was inviting me to use the gifts that made me come alive to redeem the things that broke my heart. That comes from the book, You Are Free by Rebecca Lyons. We're going to interview her today, and it's one of the reasons because we believe that the loudest voice in a mom's head is the one that says she's not doing a good enough job, and we want to denounce that here on Rebel Parenting. You're going to love Rebecca Lyons. We can't wait for you to hear this program. So without any further ado, here is You Are Free and Rebecca Lyons on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Rebecca, I'm so excited about this book. Uh, We've been reading it. Our producer's been reading it. We've told some people on Facebook, and they are so excited about You Are Free. So thanks for coming on Rebel Parenting today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, definitely. And we love your husband. I've interviewed him in the past, and it's been a long time, but definitely say hi to him as well. I will. (laughs) I like the topic, too. You know, I've written a number of books now, and they're really hard. It's hard to write a book. It's, it's emotional. It's vulnerable. All of those things. What compelled you to write this? I mean, I love the subtitle, Be Who You Already Are. It's such a great message. What was around you or in your life that you just said, I've got to write this? Well, you know, when someone says that, that subtitle to me is an exhale that we all are waiting for. It's I think, I think, especially um, for some of us, I mean, I grew up in the church and um, I found faith at a young age. And as I describe early on in the book, I felt the most free when I was alone with God in the secret place, whether it was riding my 10 speed, you know, at dusk around my neighborhood or running on the beach or dancing around my living room when no one was around. There was a sense of freedom and vitality that came from just being God's child. Mm. And then the minute I would step foot into um, people, (laughs) like have to be around people, they're all human, right? But step into church or step into school or step into um, competitions of extracurricular activities, there would all of a sudden be this need to to keep up, to measure up, Mm -hmm. to perform, to be enough. I never felt that limitation from God or or that measurement from him so much, just the two of us. But with people, I definitely felt this need to to win the approval of men and women and friends and siblings, because we all want to be known and we want to be liked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes it will come from a place of wounding or a place of insecurity. And, And unfortunately, no matter how old you are, even in your 40s, (laughs) you could still feel like you're in seventh grade sometimes. And you'd rather not, but that's the reality. And so finally, I just felt like part of this message came from a deep burning desire from within um, to find my own voice and to not always feel like it had to be validated by somebody else's voice and to trust that the Spirit of God lives in me and can speak directly to me um, through the faith of a child, like a still small voice that wants the truth of, of scripture to just stay simple and plain. And, and so that's how these last three years have been. I had to kind of start with a confession that I didn't think God was enough. I had to tell him that your approval is not enough. I need the approval of men and women. Um, once I started speaking or writing, I, I wanted to read the reviews or watch the retweets and all the things that perpetuates this. Yeah. Mis- need to perform. And it it hit me like head on. I was like, Rebecca, 
your calling, you can wake into your calling and still not be free. And if you're not careful, especially in the church space, this will just become a prettier version of striving. Definitely. It reminds me, I hate to even say it, the Chainsmokers song, Selfie, where uh, there's a, a, a line in it where the girl said, you know, the, the picture I just posted only got five likes. Should I take it down? And right. that's a, it's a real conversation people have, like, and not enough people like that photo. Maybe I shouldn't show anybody else. Yeah. Right. And to be quite gutting honest, I, that has crossed my mind since social media began a decade ago. Like, maybe this didn't resonate. I wonder why. What could I have said differently? I mean, to even ask that question or to feel that at our core, mm. that, that our honesty might be rejected or our vulnerability might be too much for someone else to handle you know, we live in a society now that measures everyone in an instant with with a double tap, and so you're 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 literally walking through life being measured and approved of or disapproved of in real time. And so, why wouldn't that create this unrest in all of us and this mm-hmm. this this inferiority complex or this this spirit of diminishment, honestly, on a lot of us that feel like, well, if I don't have this quote unquote platform, then I have nothing to offer, which is a, an absolute lie because the kingdom obviously tells us that the things that are done in secret <laughs> are the things that God sees and that those rewards are in heaven. And those who minister, um, without any fanfare are the ones who are the stories that make me weep the most. The the friends I know who are doing beautiful work that never gets, um, you know, published. Exactly. Those are the ones I'm being mentored by. I'm being mentored by them. I was like, I want this purity of heart because God looks at the heart and that's what we're all after. That's awesome. Hey, Rebecca, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions about your book and you talk about, can we really be free? Like, so if you could share with us a little bit about your story and how, I mean, I just loved hearing how God radically healed you. If you could just share with our listeners a little bit about that and the question, can we really be free? Yes, I would love to. Thank you for asking. A little quick backstory on me is that our family moved from the the sprawling metro North Atlanta area, mm. um, very southern, large yards, you know, a loop-de-loop water slide at our neighborhood pool. So we moved from there to <laughs> to the Upper East Side of Manhattan in 2010, and at that point, our kids were four, seven, and nine. Wow. And our- yeah. yeah. Most people leave move. leave the city when their kids get that age and we decided <laughs> we were going to enter the city at that age. And um it was quite um it, it was the beginning of a crash and burn and that I described that in your free and I'm sorry, I described that in Free Fall to Fly. And uh, within about four months, I developed panic disorder, and I describe a little bit of this in the beginning of this book. And so, how- up until then, you had had none, no encounters with uh, panic disorders or anxieties. No. Anxiety. Okay. No. Um, yeah, I I had um, a little bit of seasonal winter blues. I would say oh, okay. that there's into that but it was just like you know it was gray and it was eeyore weather all winter long and you wouldn't walk outside you just go straight from your house to the car in the garage and i just wasn't out enough yeah yeah wasn't anything like what happened in new york and that definitely escalated everything because a panic attack is when your body's responding in a way that your mind can't even understand yes it's as if you are you've got to escape this space that you're in or you'll die and you know that's not true but that's the fear that takes over. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that you know it's not true. I get panic attacks too. So okay. had a couple this week and I hate it. I hate it. I know it's irrational. I know yeah. I can tell myself all the reasons why my fears aren't there, why they don't, why it's not true. There's no basis for them. And my body goes, don't care. Gotta run, you know, and just that whole freak out where I sweat right. profusely and my heart races like crazy. And and I, you know, I understand that. It's what a terrifying thing to not have an experience that before. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're having a heart attack. That is frightening. It's, yeah, it's frightening. Well, and I did go to the doctor and maybe you did too. And many have when this happens, because we, we do think there's something wrong with our heart. We're like, what's yeah. going on? 
And I went and checked all clear several times. And I kept trying to convince them like, no, this is happening. What's going on? And one day my doctor said, I think your body's responding to something that's deeper. Like your body is reacting to something that your maybe your mind or your heart doesn't even have an ability to process. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're my doctor. You're not supposed to be telling me this. Yeah, you've got a good doctor on your hands. I know. And it, but it did, it caused me to consider, um, what, what was this coming from and why? I mean, obviously the obvious things are New York is 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. So of course <laughs> you're more prone to feel claustrophobic or be in tight spaces mm-hmm. or feel crowded. And that can certainly escalate. But what I learned with stress, the stress of the city for me is it squeezes whatever it might be lying dormant inside. It squeezes it out. There's no room to hide or to kind of tuck away and, um, and, you know, be invisible. No, you have to be in the middle of it. And so it forced these things to the surface that I probably would have never known were there. Um, these inner, I would say, deeper heart um, things that I just never had to wrestle down. And this You Are Free book really, while, while Free Fall to Fly is more on the external um, rescue moment that the Lord took me through and walking out a healing journey, I would say you are free is more of an inner healing journey. Um, because it is all connected. I do definitely believe because God crafts us in our mother's womb in Psalm 139 and the way he knits us is so intentional that, that our physical response and our spiritual response and our emotional response, they're all connected. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is just getting the right support and even, counseling along with psychiatric help if you need that, you know, to kind of do this holistic approach in every way um, so that we're not just looking at the symptoms, but we're actually looking at the root. Mm. And so that's been helpful for me. Um, But long story short, that lasted about a year. And then a year later in September, in the middle of the night, I was having a normal panic attack at three in the morning and my husband's praying over me. I can't find my voice because I'm too busy gasping for, you know, air through the the heart racing. And finally, I I think the Lord just gave me my voice in that moment. And I raised my hand and I, in the dark, and I just said, rescue me, deliver me. I cannot do this without you. And in that moment, my body just fell flat on the bed and stopped. And it was mid panic attack. And for those who've had those, you know that that's not how it happens. You know how it happens. (laughs) <laughs> Laura witnesses my panic attacks. It is not how it happens. Do you know what's funny is I told her the other day, every now and then it'll be so bad that I get in the shower and I turn it all the way to cold. When I woke up this morning, it was 27 degrees outside and I turned the shower 100% to cold and got in to shock my body out of wow. what's going on. Yeah. And it's it's super extreme. Yeah. Um, but there but are it's times where it's super affordable and the repercussions <laughs> of going on, you know, he's not on any medications. And, and if yeah. you're on medications, totally fine. Get it. I mean, you say in your book, one in four are now on medication. Yeah. Um, but this is an easy way to snap snap it out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Snap it doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work for me every time, but it's, and I hate it. Yeah. It's really hard to do. I mean, it's hard to, you know, be in a panic attack and then go, Hey, you know, it's really good right now. I'm going to go make myself suffer more in the moment, but right. But I love your story about being set free from it. Cause I think that's what people are craving and desiring. Yeah. They don't want this in their lives anymore. So, I mean, I just love your vulnerability. Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, before this rescue even happened, there was a a moment that happened, and I'm going to share it here. I didn't write it in the book, and I eventually will probably write it at some point. But about a month or two months after that first panic attack on the airplane, um, flying back to New York, we'd only lived there four months. We were leaving Atlanta from a trip, heading back. And then it started on planes and trains and elevators and crowds, and it basically had a meltdown at the Macy's Parade. It just went on and on and on. Well, my my aunt died unexpectedly. She was diagnosed with stage four um, pancreatic cancer, and I went. I had to get back on a plane to go to her funeral, and so I had to just board knowing like I'm going for a reason and a purpose, and this is stronger than whatever I'm afraid of on this plane. And so I remember coming home that night late. I had to land back in. I was alone. I had to land back in LaGuardia after midnight, after being at her funeral, mm. and hit the same turbulence that had started this whole thing in October. And I remember my body responding in the same exact way as if I was going through a panic attack. But in the, 
in the middle of the attack, like imagine this, in the middle of my body going insane, like crazy heart rate, you know, like beating out of my chest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I pictured in my mind, my aunt seeing the eyes of Jesus for the first time, like seeing the face of Jesus and then looking at each other (laughs) dead on. And there was something about that that I just held in my mind Mm -hmm. while the plane you know, slowly landed Mm -hmm. safely. And while my body still responded in utter panic, I was able to sit in it and just like, just literally picture the face and the eyes and the gaze of Jesus Mm -hmm. with my aunt. And it kept, it kept me calm in the seat. It was so strange. It was almost like by the time we landed, I felt more equipped to face the fear. I felt like you know, if God, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he blankets us mm-hmm. in his peace and, you know, peace is what we want when we ha- are full of anxiety and fear, then how are we going to invite him and his peace into the middle of the moment where we are most afraid? And that's how I started to um, respond to these. I would just like cry out his name. I would mm-hmm. I would literally just say, blanket me with your peace, blanket me with your peace, like cover me, cover me and make the peace stronger than the fear. Yeah. Um, and when you think about it, perfect love casts out fear. We know that, right? That's a yeah. script. Um, there's no fear in love and this perfect love casts out fear and anxiety for me can't became a fancy word for fear. So I would always posture myself and I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It wasn't like I still didn't undergo these things, but sure. I started to respond always with truth, with scripture mm. and Life verse was always from a kid. And who had this as a life verse as a kid? Hello. Um, my life verse was always, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind, which is crazy because, of course, I didn't have a sound mind at that time. Um, and, I thought, okay, then if God, if what you say, and this is kind of the point of this book, if what your scripture says is true, mm. if you're good on who you say you actually are, then even in the middle of a panic disorder, I can actually trust that you're going to turn this around. You're going to show up in the middle of it. You're going to show me a power that maybe I have not experienced from you yet. And I want to invite that in right now. And so that be kind of kind of became a way of engaging him in the moment when it would start. I would literally just kind of whisper prayer, a a hymn, a psalm, and then always it would be like, blanket me with your peace. And so even today, I don't have panic attacks anymore. I have anxiety, stress anxiety, where I can't get a deep breath when I'm in the middle of a very busy season. Um, I did have a little episode when I got locked in a bathroom about three months ago, and I kind of went bananas out of nowhere. And that was discouraging because I was like, it's been five years and I have attack and here it is right at the surface but even then in that moment what was so crazy is I look up in this bathroom I'm on this like hillside of California in this home and it's vacant nobody's there there's no way to get out the walls are made of concrete and I look up and there's this tiny little window open above the toilet and I literally just slid right out really oh my goodness so you literally got locked in a bathroom in an empty house story yes Yes. Okay. And I, and I'm starting to freak like full yeah. on panic as if it was 2011 for yeah. sure. And I was like, I am not going to make it. My phone literally died right <laughs> as I was turning the knob and it was an old house built in like the early 1900s. And you know, it was like an old door knob and there was no, there was no contacting anyone or, or getting out. And the, and the, and the door was heavy duty, hard, like solid wood. And I look the up, story produces anxiety. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> oh I know. I'm starting to sweat myself. Yeah. Yeah. I look up and there's an open window and it's not, it's not big, but it's just enough for me to slide through. And I, so I quickly like hoist myself up on the toilet and get out the window and I land on the, on the, on the cliffs really. We're like literally overlooking the water. And I started to cry because I was like, first of all, I can either a be, be like discouraged that, that, I'm still get afraid very quickly. Yeah. Or I could be reminded that you always make a way out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where I just a little window. Yes. That's beautiful. That's where I choose to just 
stay is that no matter what we come against, like Jesus is very clear, you're going to have trial, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have trouble is really tribula, which means tribulation. I mean, he's, he's basically saying the world hated me and you're going to, as followers of me, encounter um, opposition. Like, don't be afraid of it. It's, it's not, it's not that it's not going to happen. It's like, do you trust me? Mm -hmm. And it gets scary that I will make a way out. And that has like had to be my mantra going forward because we don't all get healed and so that we'll never struggle again. No, we walk a healing journey of faithful reliance on Him mm-hmm. and knowing that He will give us what we need and He'll always make a way of escape. And so for panic people like me, <laughs> that's really comforting, you know? Yeah. Oh, it really is. It absolutely is. Uh, and I love that you celebrated the small victory. That's one of our big mantras on Rebel Parenting. Celebrate the small victories. Don't focus on the negatives. Yeah, you had a panic attack. But let me tell you, being locked in a concrete room when you'd have no way out and your cell phone dies and no way to contact anybody, that's a really good reason for a panic attack. It's a fantastic reason for one. And you celebrated the small victories. Uh, I love that. You know, Rebecca, we come from a similar background. You come from a Baptist background. I come from a Wesleyan background, very conservative. Um, Some might say legalistic at times. When you talk about miraculous healing, how does that play into, you know, I know it's so much more common to talk about today, but when I was growing up, I mean, yes, in the Bible, sure. Um, But what I heard most of the time was, yes, Jesus can heal you, Ryan, but he might not. He might choose not to. And what I kind of heard was most of the time he's going to choose not to heal you miraculously. Most of the time you're going to suffer through this or a doctor or something will go along. But how has your theological background, you know, walked through this miraculous healing? Well, the, the great thing about God is he gave me a story. And because I've always been a chronic oversharer, he knew that he would give me something that I couldn't be quiet about. I didn't use the H word for a couple of years because I did feel confused by it. I felt like God is not an alienating God. Why would one of us cry out and find this in a moment? Why do other of us walk this out for years? Why do some of us feel like he's silent, you know, and I had to wrestle through this, um, a couple years later. Um, and I write about this in free to ask chapter. Um, I started getting people asking me more and more, but really unpack like how that went and what was that like that night? And have you had panic since? And, Finally, I was I stumbled across Revelation twelve eleven where he says, um, "The enemy is bound by two things, and it's Christ's blood and your story." And I think Jesus was looking at me, going, "Well, I did my part. Like, are you actually going to be honest with the nature of who I am as healer?" And I had to just confess that that I was more concerned about reputation than than just being truthful with what the rescue that God did. And I think of Psalm, I read Psalm 18 around that time where David talks about being, um, being in a pit. I mean, I resonate so much with him because he's, he, he might as well be bipolar because of the way the Psalms read. I yeah. felt very kindred to him. I was like, it's either high or it's low, but the Lord is always near him. He's a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 18, he says, you rescued me. You reached down from on high and you rescued me because you delighted in me. And it was almost like the kindness of God flooded over me and just said, yeah, you are Jehovah Rapha. The nature of you is healer. And and who are we to say in our finite minds how you do that today? And and, and so I got real open with the Lord in that season, um, you know, about a year and a half after all this, you know, moment of panic disorder rescue moment. I just said, Lord, I don't want to limit my my previous notions or understanding of how powerful you want to be in our generation or how present and how if so. So here's what here's the deal. I am not I invite you in to do whatever it is you want to do to show me and reveal whatever it is you want me to know about your nature. And it, and if it even gets crazy, I'll, um you know. I'll, I'll have accountability with yeah. my sister and my husband. Mm-hmm. I just want to be open. I want to have an open childlike faith to your move. And and so since then, I started asking people at the end of, sometimes I would teach and I'd just say, hey, if anybody wants prayer for anything, I'm happy to pray. I'm like, I'm not promising anything. You know, I'd always disclaim it and kind of laugh because I'm never one to presume. Obviously, we can't to know how God is going to move and in what nature and in what way and 
and what timing. But I do think he invites us to ask. And he says, "Will you? are you really willing to be vulnerable and risk the ask without disarming and saying, well, maybe you won't. It's okay if you don't. But just say, this is my cry. This is my desperate cry. And, and invite him in. And what's been so sweet about that story, about being just saying, I'm open, I'm free to ask for something that's beyond my imagination or comprehension. Um, what has been so amazing is women, and I don't write about this because that's not the point. I have been, people have reached out to me for the last couple years and they'll sometimes come up to me or they'll email me or they'll message me and they, they'll say, you don't remember me, but a year ago you prayed with me for stage four brain cancer or for mm-hmm. this, or for that, and for this. And it got to where I just started crying every time because they would say I'm in remission or, um, my hair started growing back during chemo or, um, um, I was infertile for years and then I got pregnant that next week. I was just, you know, and I think it was God's kindness to say all to all of us, like, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. And, and I think in our culture, especially secular culture says, no, your label is this. Yeah. When you have these deficiencies, we're going to label you by your brokenness. You're going to take on the identity of that brokenness. Mm -hmm. And then then by taking on that identity and saying, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other, and I need all this for this and that and the other, um, instead of just saying, no, my identity is in Christ alone, Mm -hmm. I might be be attacked in these areas, I might be... uh, tempted or tormented in some of these areas, but these do not win. These are not the end of the story. These do not form who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. So if, if Christ is greater and his death and resurrection is greater than all the things that I, that I face, then I have to hang my hat at night on that. Yeah. I love you talking. It just keep brings to my mind just the idea of sometimes in my life, I have to remind myself, wait, I am born again. I am a new creation and I have to lock into that identity that you're talking about. What's who does Christ say I am? Right. And I love that as you started talking about your healing and how it can sometimes when we're sick and we're, we're struggling with something, we can just look at ourselves and not see others around us. Um, you talked about that. How did that shift for you in your life? Well, when you're sick, you only see inward. And when the scales fall from your eyes, the way I describe it, I think of the blind man at the pool, right? He couldn't see anything. The pool is alone, and Jesus heals him. And he says, I once was blind and now I can see. And he's literally telling the religious leaders, like, maybe he's the son of God, because they're scratching their heads and they don't know why Jesus is doing all these things. And this is a man who was blind his entire life, who informs the people at the temple, like, Maybe he's the son of God. All of a sudden, he has crystal clarity on who the Messiah was that just healed him. And I think about for all of us, when we when we um, encounter Jesus in whatever way that looks like, you think of the woman at the well, all of a sudden she looks at him. He says, I'm he, the one who speaks to you. And it it clicks her and she runs and tells the whole village comes to man. It's like every time each of us individually and not, and I'm I'm not even saying this is a corporate thing. I think in the solitude and the stillness of a secret place, we are alone before him and we encounter his presence in a way that changes us. Then all of a sudden our perspective on his capability and his power Mm -hmm. shifts. And all of a sudden, he grows our faith in that moment. And we start to imagine with a holy imagination, not our limited, finite picture of how to solve the current problem in front of us. Wow. Rebecca, I mean, if we thought the book was good, this broadcast just blew me away. Thank you so much. Your vulnerability really is a healer. It just is. It allows people to be broken. It allows people to be broken and then look for healing, not to be defined by it, but to look forward to the future You've given people so much hope, but not empty hope. You know, this is a journaling book. Laura talks about, she loves the the journaling aspect. You ask questions, she can write things down and then look back on it and go, oh, that's right. That's how I was feeling. I mean, it's so great. We really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It's a joy always. You guys are fun. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Oh, we would love to have you back anytime. I mean, we're we're just such huge fans. Thank you for being on. Oh, absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too. too. God bless. Okay, talk to you soon. Oh, Rebecca, you're a joy. Thank you so much. That was so perfect.
Oh, thank you. You guys are awesome. I wish you could have gone on. I know I could just talk forever, but I appreciate so much just honing in on the things you wanted to, to address and even giving me a chance to talk about that topic because some people kind of run from it. So I appreciate it. No, oh, yeah, we no. are not running from it. And We're I, not. And I like your yeah. experience. It's like your book is experiential. And I just mm-hmm. think for this next generation and people to come, it's it, it's going to be a huge uh, mm-hmm. resource in supporting people. Mm-hmm. So thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Moms, rebel moms, you can be free. You can be free in the Lord. He can redeem your heart and set your heart free. Thanks so much for listening. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.
Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. As I unpacked my story and my unique gifts, I began to understand. Calling is where our talents and burdens collide. Our talents are our birthright gifts, the gifts that make our hearts sing, come alive. Our burdens are found in our stories, in what breaks our hearts. God was inviting me to use the gifts that made me come alive to redeem the things that broke my heart. That comes from the book, You Are Free by Rebecca Lyons. We're going to interview her today, and it's one of the reasons because we believe that the loudest voice in a mom's head is the one that says she's not doing a good enough job, and we want to denounce that here on Rebel Parenting. You're going to love Rebecca Lyons. We can't wait for you to hear this program. So without any further ado, here is You Are Free and Rebecca Lyons on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Rebecca, I'm so excited about this book. Uh, We've been reading it. Our producer's been reading it. We've told some people on Facebook, and they are so excited about You Are Free. So thanks for coming on Rebel Parenting today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, definitely. And we love your husband. I've interviewed him in the past, and it's been a long time, but definitely say hi to him as well. I will. (laughs) I like the topic, too. You know, I've written a number of books now, and... They're really hard. It's hard to write a book. It's it's emotional, it's vulnerable, all of those things. What compelled you to write this? I mean, I love the subtitle, Be Who You Already Are. It's such a great message. What was around you or in your life that you just said, I've got to write this? Well, you know, when someone says that, that subtitle to me is an exhale that we all are waiting for. It's I think, I think, especially um, for some of us, I mean, I grew up in the church and um, I found faith at a young age. And as I described early on in the book, I felt the most free when I was alone with God in the secret place, whether it was riding my 10 speed, you know, at dusk around my neighborhood or running on the beach or dancing around my living room when no one was around. There was a sense of freedom and vitality that came from just being God's child. Mm. And then the minute I would step foot into um, people, (laughs) like have to be around people, you're all human, right? But step into church or step into school or step into um, competitions of extracurricular activities, there would all of a sudden be this need to to keep up, to measure up, Mm -hmm. to perform, to be enough. I never felt that limitation from God or or that measurement from him so much, just the two of us. But with people, I definitely felt this need to to win the approval of men and women and friends and siblings, because we all want to be known and we want to be liked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes it will come from a place of wounding or a place of insecurity. And, And unfortunately, no matter how old you are, even in your 40s, (laughs) you can still feel like you're in seventh grade sometimes. And you'd rather not, but that's the reality. And so finally, I just felt like part of this message came from a deep burning desire from within um, to find my own voice and to not always feel like it had to be validated by somebody else's voice and to trust that the Spirit of God lives in me and can speak directly to me um, through the faith of a child, like a still small voice that wants the truth of, of scripture to just stay simple and plain. And, and so that's how these last three years have been. I had to kind of start with a confession that I didn't think God was enough. I had to tell him that your approval is not enough. I need the approval of men and women. Um, once I started speaking or writing, I, I wanted to read the reviews or watch the retweets and all the things that perpetuates this Yeah. Mis- need to perform. And it it hit me like head on. I was like, Rebecca, you're calling, you can wake into your calling and still not be free. And if you're not careful, especially in the church space, this will just become a prettier version of striving. Definitely. It reminds me, I hate to even say it, the Chainsmoker song selfie, where uh, there's a a line in it where the girl said, you know, the, the picture I just posted only got five likes. Should I take it down? And that's right. a, it's a real conversation people have, like, and not enough people like that photo. Maybe I shouldn't show anybody else. Yeah. Right. And to be quite gutting honest, I, that has crossed my mind since social media began a decade ago. Like, 
maybe this didn't resonate. I wonder why, what could I have said differently? I mean, to even ask that question or to feel that at our core, Mm. that that our honesty might be rejected or our vulnerability might be too much for someone else to handle. You know, we live in a society now that measures everyone in an instant with, with a double tap. And so you're, you're, you're literally walking through life being measured Mm. and approved of or disapproved of in real time. And so why wouldn't that create this unrest in all of us and this mm-hmm. this this inferiority complex or this this spirit of diminishment honestly on a lot of us that feel like well if I don't have this quote unquote platform then I have nothing to offer which is a an absolute lie because the kingdom obviously tells us that the things that are done in secret <laughs> are the things that God sees and that those rewards are in heaven and those who minister um, without any fanfare are the ones who are the stories that make me weep the most. The, the friends I know who are doing beautiful work that never gets um, published, yeah, published. You know, published. Yeah. Exactly. Those are the ones I'm being mentored by. I'm being mentored by them. I was like, I want this purity of heart because God looks at the heart and that's what we're all after. That's awesome. Hey, Rebecca, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions about your book. And you talk about, can we really be free? Like, so if you could share with us a little bit about your story and how, I mean, I just loved hearing how God radically healed you. If you could just share with our listeners a little bit about that and the question, can we really be free? Yes, I would love to. Thank you for asking. A little quick backstory on me is that our family moved from the the sprawling metro North Atlanta area, mm. um, very southern, large yards, you know, a loop de loop water slide at our neighborhood pool. So we moved from there to <laughs> to the Upper East Side of Manhattan in 2010, and at that point, our kids were four, seven, and nine. Wow. And our- yeah. yeah. Most people leave move. leave the city when their kids get that age and we decided <laughs> we were going to enter the city at that age. And um it was quite um it, it was the beginning of a crash and burn and that I described that in your free and I'm sorry, I described that in Free Fall to Fly. And uh, within about four months, I developed panic disorder, and I describe a little bit of this in the beginning of this book. And so, how- up until then, you had had none, no encounters with uh, panic disorders or anxieties. No. Anxi- okay. No. Um, yeah, I I had um, a little bit of seasonal winter blues, I would say. Oh, okay. That years into that, but it was just like, you know, it was gray and it was Eeyore weather all winter long and you wouldn't walk outside. You'd just go straight from your house to the car in the garage. And I just wasn't out enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't anything like what happened in New York. And that definitely escalated everything because a panic attack is when your body's responding in a way that your mind can't even understand. Yes. It's as if you are, you've got to escape this space that you're in or you'll die. And you know, that's not true, but that's the fear that takes over. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that you know it's not true. I get panic attacks too. So okay. had a couple this week and I hate it. I hate it. I know it's irrational. I know yeah. I can tell myself all the reasons why my fears aren't there, why they don't, why it's not true. There's no basis for them. And my body goes, don't care. Gotta run, you know, and just that whole freak out where I sweat right. profusely and my heart races like crazy. And and I, yeah. you know, I understand that. It's what a terrifying thing to not have an experience that before. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're having a heart attack. That is frightening. It's, yeah, it's frightening. Well, and I did go to the doctor and maybe you did too. And many have when this happens, because we, we do think there's something wrong with our heart. We're like, what's yeah. going on? And I went and checked all clear several times. And I kept trying to convince them like, no, this is happening. What's going on? And one day my doctor said, I think your body's responding to something that's deeper like your body is reacting to something that your maybe your mind or your heart doesn't even have an ability to process and i'm like wait a minute you're my doctor you're not supposed to be telling me this yeah you've got a good doctor on your hands i know and it but it did it caused me to consider um 
what what was this coming from and why? I mean, obviously, the obvious things are New York is 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. So, of course, <laughs> you're more prone to feel claustrophobic or be in tight spaces mm-hmm. or feel crowded. And that can certainly escalate. But what I learned with stress, the stress of the city for me, is it squeezes whatever it might be lying dormant inside, it squeezes it out. There's no room to hide or to kind of tuck away and, um, and you know, be invisible. No, you have to be in the middle of it. And so it forced these things to the surface that I probably would have never known were there. Um, these inner, I would say, deeper heart um, things that I just never had to wrestle down. And this You Are Free book really... While, while Free Fall to Fly is more on the external um, rescue moment that the Lord took me through and walking out a healing journey, I would say You Are Free is more of an inner healing journey um, because it is all connected. I do definitely believe because God crafts us in our mother's womb in Psalm 139 and the way He knits us is so intentional that, that our physical response and our spiritual response and our emotional response, they're all connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is just getting the right support and even counseling along with psychiatric help if you need that, you know, yeah. to kind of do this holistic approach in every way um, so that we're not just looking at the symptoms, but we're actually looking at the root. Mm-hmm. And so that's been helpful for me. Um, but long story short, that lasted about a year. And then a year later in September in the middle of the night, I was having a normal panic attack at three in the morning and my husband's praying over me. I can't find my voice because I'm too busy gasping for, you know, air through the, the heart racing. Yeah. And finally, I, I think the Lord just gave me my voice in that moment. And I raised my hand and I in the dark and I just said, rescue me, deliver me. I cannot do this without you. And in that moment, my body just fell flat on the bed and stopped. And it was mid panic attack. And for those who've had those, you know that that's not how it happens. That's you know how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Laura witnesses my panic attacks. It is not how it happens. Do you know what's funny is I told her the other day, every now and then it'll be so bad that I get in the shower and I turn it all the way to cold. When I woke up this morning, it was 27 degrees outside and I turned the shower 100% to cold and got in to shock my body out of wow. what's going on. Yeah. And it's it's super extreme. Yeah. Um, but there but are times where it's super affordable and the repercussions <laughs> of going on, you know, he's not on any medications. And, and if yeah. you're on medications, totally fine. Get it. I mean, you say in your book, one in four are now on medication. Yeah. Um, but this is an easy way to snap Snap it out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work for me every time, but it's, and I hate it. Yeah. It's really hard to do. I mean, it's hard to, you know, be in a panic attack and then go, Hey, you know, it's really good right now. I'm going to go make myself suffer more in the moment, but. Right. But I love your story about being set free from it. Cause I think that's what people are craving and desiring. Yeah. They don't want this in their lives anymore. So, I mean, I just love your vulnerability. Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, before this rescue even happened, there was a, a moment that happened, and I'm going to share it here. I didn't write it in the book, and I eventually will probably write it at some point. But about a month or two months after that first panic attack on the airplane, um, flying back to New York, we'd only lived there four months. We were leaving Atlanta from a trip, heading back. And then it started on planes and trains and elevators and crowds, and it basically I had a meltdown at the Macy's Parade. It just went on and on and on. So, well, my, my aunt died unexpectedly. She was diagnosed with stage four um, pancreatic cancer, and I went to, had to get back on a plane to go to her funeral. And so I had to just board knowing, like, I'm going for a reason and a purpose, and this is stronger than whatever I'm afraid of on this plane. And so I remember coming home that night late. I had to land back in. I was alone. I had to land back in LaGuardia after midnight, after being at her funeral, mm. and hit the same turbulence that had started this whole thing in October. And I remember my body responding in the same exact way as if I was going through a panic attack. But in the, in the middle of the attack, like imagine this, in the middle of my body going insane, like crazy heart rate, you know, like beating out of my chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I pictured in my mind my aunt seeing the eyes of Jesus for the first time, like seeing the face of Jesus and then looking at each other (laughs) dead on. And there was something about that that I just held in my mind Mm -hmm. while the plane, you know, slowly landed Mm -hmm. safely. 
and while my body still responded in utter panic, I was able to sit in it and just like, just literally picture the face and the eyes and the gaze of Jesus with my aunt. And it kept, it kept me calm in the seat. It was so strange. It was almost like by the time we landed, I felt more equipped to face the fear. I felt like, you know, if God, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he blankets us mm-hmm. in his peace and, you know, peace is what we want when we ha- are full of anxiety and fear, then how are we going to invite him and his peace into the middle of the moment where we are most afraid? And that's how I started to um, respond to these. I would just like cry out his name. I would mm. I would literally just say, blanket me with your peace. Blanket me with your peace. Like, like, cover me, cover me, and make the peace stronger than the fear. Yeah. Um, and when you think about it, perfect love casts out fear. We know that, right? That's yeah. a scripture. Um, there's no fear in love, and this perfect love casts out fear. And anxiety for me can't, became a fancy word for fear. So I would always posture myself. And I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It wasn't like I still didn't undergo these things. But sure. I started to respond always with truth, with scripture. Mm. And life verse was always from a kid. And who had this as a life verse as a kid? Hello. Um, my life verse was always, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind, which is crazy because of course I didn't have a sound mind at that time. Um, and I thought, okay, then if God, if what you say, and this is kind of the point of this book, if what your scripture says is true, mm. if you're good on who you say you actually are, then even in the middle of a panic disorder, I can actually trust that you're going to turn this around. You're going to show up in the middle of it. You're going to show me a power that maybe I have not experienced from you yet. And I want to invite that in right now. And so that be kind of kind of became a way of engaging him in the moment when it would start. I would literally just kind of whisper prayer, a a hymn, a psalm, and then always it would be like, blanket me with your peace. And so even today, I don't have panic attacks anymore. I have anxiety, stress anxiety, where I can't get a deep breath when I'm in the middle of a very busy season. Um, I did have a little episode when I got locked in a bathroom about three months ago, and I kind of went bananas out of nowhere. And that was discouraging because I was like, it's been five years and I have panic attack and here it is right at the surface but even then in that moment what was so crazy is I look up in this bathroom I'm on this like hillside of California in this home and it's vacant nobody's there there's no way to get out the walls are made of concrete and I look up and there's this tiny little window open above the toilet and I literally just slid right out really oh my goodness so you literally got locked in a bathroom in an empty house story yes Yes. Okay. And I, and I'm starting to freak like full yeah. on panic as if it was 2011 for yeah. sure. And I was like, I am not going to make it. My phone literally died right oh. as I was turning the knob and it was an old house built in like the early 1900s. And you know, it was like an old door knob and there was no, there was no contacting anyone or, or getting out. And the, and the, and the door was heavy duty, hard, like solid wood. And I look up. Story produces anxiety. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm starting to sweat myself. Yeah. yeah. I look up, and there's an open window, and it's not, it's not big, but it's just enough for me to slide through. And I, so I quickly like hoist myself up on the toilet and get out the window, and I land on the on the on the cliffs. Really, we're like literally overlooking the water. And I started to cry because I was like, first of all, I can either a be a, be like discouraged that that. I'm still get afraid very quickly. Yeah. Or I could be reminded that you always make a way out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's Even where I just, a little window. Yes. Wow, that's beautiful. I'm like, that's where I choose to just stay is that no matter what we come against, like Jesus is very clear. You're going to have trial. You're yeah. going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble is really tribula, which means tribulation. I mean, he's, he's basically saying the world hated me and you're going to, as followers of me encounter, um, opposition, like, don't be afraid of it. It's, it's not, it's not that it's not going to happen. It's like, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. And it gets scary that I will make a way out. 
And that has like had to be my mantra going forward because we don't all get healed and so that we'll never struggle again. No, we walked a healing journey of faithful reliance on him mm-hmm. and knowing that he will give us what we need and he'll always make a way of escape. And so for panic people like me, <laughs> that's really comforting, you know? Yeah. Oh, it really is. It absolutely is. Uh, and I love that you celebrated the small victory. That's one of our big mantras on Rebel Parenting. Celebrate the small victories. Don't focus on the negatives. Yeah, you had a panic attack. But let me tell you, being locked in a concrete room when you'd have no way out and your cell phone dies and no way to contact anybody, that's a really good reason for a panic attack. It's a fantastic reason for one. And you celebrated the small victories. Uh, I love that. You know, Rebecca, we come from a similar background. You come from a back, Baptist background. I come from a Wesleyan background, very conservative. Um, some might say legalistic at times. Yeah. When you talk about miraculous healing, how does that play into, you know, I know it's so much more common to talk about today, but when I was growing up, I mean, yes, in the Bible, sure. Um, but what I heard most of the time was, yes, Jesus can heal you, Ryan, but he might not. He might choose not to. And what I kind of heard was most of the time he's going to choose not to heal you miraculously. Most of the time you're going to suffer through this or a doctor or something will go along. But how is your theological background, you know, walked through this miraculous healing? Well, the, the great thing about God is he gave me a story. And because I've always been a chronic oversharer, he knew that he would give me something that I couldn't be quiet about. I didn't use the H word for a couple of years because I did feel confused by it. I felt like God is not an alienating God. Why would one of us cry out and find this in a moment? Why do other of us walk this out for years? Why do some of us feel like he's silent, you know, and I had to wrestle through this, um, a couple years later. Um, and I write about this in free to ask chapter. Um, I started getting people asking me more and more, but really unpack like how that went and what was that like that night? And have you had panic since? And, Finally, I was I stumbled across Revelation twelve eleven where he says, um, the enemy is bound by two things, and it's Christ's blood and your story. And I think Jesus was looking at me going, well, I did my part. Like, are you actually going to be honest with the nature of who I am as healer? And I had to just confess that, that I was more concerned about reputation than, than just being truthful with what the rescue that God did. And I think of Psalm, I read Psalm 18 around that time where David talks about being, um, being in a pit. I mean, I resonate so much with him because he, he might as well be bipolar because of the way the Psalms read. I yeah. felt very kindred to him. I was like, it's either high or it's low, but the Lord is always near him. He's a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 18, he says, you rescued me. You reached down from on high and you rescued me because you delighted in me. And it was almost like the kindness of God flooded over me and just said, yeah, you are Jehovah Rapha. The nature of you is healer. And and who are we to say in our finite minds how you do that today? Moms, rebel moms, you can be free. You can be free in the Lord. He can redeem your heart and set your heart free. Thanks so much for listening. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.